John chapter 7, if you have your Bibles. I uh, mentioned Wednesday night uh, and asked the congregation to pray. I'm going to be ministering both services today on the Holy Spirit, two different sermons, but both spirit, both on the Holy Spirit of God. God is to uh, just a little bit of theology before we get into it. The Holy Spirit is not a doctrine. It is a person or part of the Godhead. Three in one, one in three, the guy in the middle died for me. It's a great way to understand in a simple Sunday school children's church rhyme of how the Trinity is together. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It was Martin Lloyd-Jones. Now, he was a Anglican pastor. He pastored in Wembley in the UK. and oh, I'm sorry, West, Westminster, which West, Westminster is actually where uh, their parliament meets in that section of London. He got up at the end of his, uh, his ministry, his very reformed theology, and near the end of the, his life, he was preaching and he made this statement about the Holy Spirit. I said, I want to talk to you today about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You may call it what you want, but I have, uh, but I want to know, have you experienced the fullness of the Spirit. This man was not Pentecostal. He was not one who believed in the actual filling with the Holy Spirit. He says, I, I know all you are listening to me and it comes from a Reformed background, but it's not good enough. I know that I would, uh, that all of you would want me to say, uh, 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 all that would want me to say my question about the Holy Spirit. Well, if you're, if you got it at all at conversion and there's no need for a, any more experience, he went on to say, well, I only have one other question for you. If you got it all at conversion, where in God's name is it? He's looking at his congregation. He's looking at those he's ministering to and he's saying, you obviously are missing some fundamental part of Christianity. And in his reform doctrine, this is, uh, this would be very similar to most Baptist churches in the United States, uh, as far as Calvinism and as far as not having a separate experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, he began to understand that, you know what? Something was missing in their lives. Something was not there. And so Jesus uh, even deals with this, and we're going to look at a particular portion of Scripture, but there's something more that God has for you than simply just salvation, just believing. It is the indwelling or the filling of the Holy Spirit. We are a Pentecostal church. That means we believe in the evidence of speaking in other tongues. 
It is not a language you learn. It is not something you're taught from a child or or that you can start saying uh, English phrases repeatedly uh, and it will sound like that, tie my bow tie, tie my bow tie, tie my bow tie, and that's, oh wow, you got tongues. That's not, that's tying your bow tie. But it's a language that is evident. It has to do with praise. It has to do with prayer. We'll talk about that. Little late, later, we believe in the full range of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Words of knowledge, words of under, of uh, prophecy, tongues and interpretation of tongues, which is different than uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. We believe in open praise in tongues. That's what Pentecostal means. It's not a doctrine. It is the expression of the third part of the Godhead. Jesus is at a Jewish festival, and I'm not going to go into all the background of this. He's come to it, and he's there. And I just want to key in on what he says at the climax. John John 7, 37 He says, on the last day at the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowd, if anyone is thirsty, may, uh, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scripture declares, rivers of living water will flow from his heart, or some uh, translations say, belly. Verse 39, and when he said living water, he was referring to the spirit who was, who would be given to everyone believing in him. The spirit had not, uh, had, the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not entered into his glory. This is a promise for all believers. Anyone who would believe, not just some special people, not just uh, for a season or a time, uh, and then it's going to pass away when we have the completed Word of God. It's not just something that is going to be for preachers or special people like it had been in the Old Testament. This was going to be for everyone. Peter uh, or rather Joel prophesying about uh, this, uh, says in Joel 2, 28-29, Then after doing those things, I will pour out my Spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And in those days I will pour out my Spirit even upon servants, men and women, Alike. Now, he is d- telling us there will be no discrimination. Men and women, young and old, uh, whether they're uh, servants, slaves in this day, or whether they're the only, everyone is going to have access to the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God. Peter then uses this uh, on the day of Pentecost. Uh, he takes this scripture, begins to preach to the crowd, Acts chapter 2, and finishes it by saying, Peter replied when they said, what must we do? 
He said, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and to those who are far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. The progression here of going uh, to you and your children, it's generational. He's saying that this is not going to pass away, that this is not going to simply uh, at one point or another be taken away because the church uh, doesn't need the gift of healing because they have advanced medical procedures of the day or they don't need gifts of prophecy because we have the completed word of the word of God uh, that of course hadn't been written by Acts chapter 2. But the understanding there is this gift is for all and through Throughout all time. Jesus couldn't give it first because he had to die for our sins. Verse 39, and when he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not been given, not yet been given because Jesus had not entered into glory. Sin separates us from God. Sin is not an oops, I did it again the gospel according to Britney Spears, but it is a separation from God. It is something that absolutely takes us away from God. But also it prevents God from being able to come to us. Because He's a righteous and a holy God. And if there is sin in your life, there is also a pending judgment. That's the way it works. And it was only after that the blood of Jesus Christ had been shed on Calvary's cross and taken on into the eternal and and things were done there. And again, I don't want to get too deep. But the understanding of that made now access for us to God and for God to us. That that's why Jesus' death and resurrection is so important. And it is only then, after Jesus' death and resurrection, that the Holy Spirit could be given. Because now the atonement had been satisfied. John sixteen seven. But in fact, Jesus' words, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, then the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, won't come. And if I go away, then I will send Him to you. It was after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that He was meeting with His apostles. And He told them in Luke chapter 24, 46-49, He said that, yes, it is written long ago that the Messiah would suffer, die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was written, it was also written that the message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name in all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. Yeah, there, uh, there is forgiveness of sins to all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and you are filled with power from heaven. There's an equipping. There's a power from heaven and 
We're going to actually use this term, and that's going to be my scripture tonight. But the reality, and we're going to look at it in a different way, but the Holy Spirit, Jesus says He wants to give that to you. Connecting this, that He must die, He must rise again. This message must be preached, the equipping, and it's all going to come through the Holy Spirit. Jesus wants to give us the Holy Spirit. He wants every believer in here to be filled. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Our text says all who believe. Anyone who believes. Acts chapter 1. The final discourse before Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. Verses 4 and 5. Once he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends the gift he promised you, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. These were believers. They're sitting, they're eating with Jesus after the resurrection. They believe. They're with Jesus. These are the Men and probably some of the women that were there, it wasn't probably just his uh, 12 or the 11 apostles at that point. Judas had kind of checked out. But the reality of Jesus speaking to his church, it's a gift. Christmas is coming. We get the concept of gifts. Some of you shopped yesterday or Friday, Black Friday, right? As maybe you went online, maybe you're waiting for tomorrow, Cyber Monday, I don't know. However it is, you're, we have the concept of gifts that we'll give and they'll be, and I'm going to give gifts this year to my grandchildren. Now, one of them is just born. There is nothing Liam can do for me. He's 19 days old. Just saying. It's because I love, he's my grandchild. I'm gonna, I wanna bless him. I wanna give him a gift. I don't expect anything in return. That's not what a gift is. I get it in in families. It gets kind of political. They give me a gift, so I gotta give them a gift. I get that. But the reality of giving a gift, this is something that God wants to give us. You don't earn a gift. You don't have to purchase it. You don't have to be good enough to get it. You just have to believe. Luke 11, 13. So if sinful people know how to give good gifts to to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Are you asking? If you ask, God will give. Our text, Jesus compares the Holy Spirit to living water. He says it will be like a spring of living water that grows or flows from the heart. Something about Water. I don't know if you've ever been really thirsty. 
and how satisfying it is. Isaiah 44, verse 3, this is what Jesus was referring to as it is written in the Scriptures. I will pour out water to quench your thirst and to irrigate your parched fields. I will pour out my Spirit on your descendants and my blessing upon your children. So he likens this to water. There's something about the Holy Spirit that satisfies. I got intrigued in a very uh, fascinating uh, uh, story of a boat called the Lucette. Uh, this was, uh, oh shoot, I didn't write down the family's name here. This family, I had uh, Douglas, I think is what they were. The Douglas family in the, the England, they're in the 80s. Uh, in the 70s, he's kind of failed at farming. He decides he buys a boat and he's going to sail around the world. And he leaves England and sails over and they face storms and all of this. And all the children were very excited about it first. And then the first storm came and they realized this is work and such. Yeah, they sail to the Bermuda uh, and, and it's there. Their 19-year-old girl meets a guy, gets married and leaves them. And they sail on, go through the Panama Canal. They're on their way to Australia and their boat is sunk by a pod of orcas. Orcas. They bumped the ship, and the ship sank so quick they couldn't grab much supplies. They actually didn't have a problem eating. They were about 200 miles from the Galapagos Islands, and so there were, there were fish they could catch. They caught a bird. They actually began to catch sea turtles, but it was water. It was water. Water, water everywhere and not a drop to drink, right? Water. They knew if they drank the sea water, they, you know, it, it does strange things to your liver and kidneys and you go insane. They made it. They had rain. They would get rain just at the, their ordeal lasted 76 days that they floated around. And so, an incredible, credible story. Drinking water, especially when you're thirsty, satisfies. Jesus said, this will satisfy you. This is the terminology that He used to the woman at the well. You drink of this water, you'll thirst again. You drink of the water that I give you. David Wilkerson who began to note that when he started Teen Challenge, David Wilkerson was a preacher back in the 1950s, a country preacher, went into New York, began to reach the gangs, the movie, the book, Crossing the Switchblade, came out of that. He made the statement in the book that those who got filled with the Holy Spirit had a far better chance of actually getting free from the drugs than those who didn't. Something about the satisfaction of that. Ephesians 5.18 Do not be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. But he talks about a water that flows. Stagnant water kills. Went on a canoe trip 43 years ago. But uh, 30, something like, yeah, 
no, 30, yeah, 43 years ago. Anyway, long time ago. And, and, and as we went on this canoe trip, we were warned you could drink the river water as long as it was flowing. It was the stagnant places where the leeches grow, where the disgusting things are. Don't mess with that. Make sure it's flowing. Something about life that's there, that the Holy Spirit is a flowing. He, again, to the woman at the well, John 4, 13 and 14, and Jesus replied, anyone who drinks of this water will soon become thirsty again, referring to the well. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never thirst again because a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. There's a flow that is caused by the Holy Spirit. That when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, this is it, that, that imagery is throughout when spoken of the Holy Spirit. Joel, that is referred to uh, by Peter in Acts chapter 2, that I will pour out, gush forth. It literally is the thought of a torrential downpour. Has to do with the thought of refreshing, fruitful, and health. Water, especially flowing water, is used for cleansing. This is why most of you took a shower, not a bath. Titus three four through six, and but when, uh, but uh, but when God our and our Savior is revealed. In his kindness and love, he saved us not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth uh, and new life through the Holy Spirit, which he generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. The washing, God does that. He, the Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit speaks. You ever had God say, don't say that? Don't do that. Do this. You need to obey God here. Recently, speaking with someone and I won't go into all the details, but it's not embarrassing and not like deeply. But they, they're, they're like God was dealing with them and speaking to them, and they're like, it, it just weeping because of feeling and knowing that God had told them, I need to do this. And I'm thinking, man, I that heart is precious because they're open and they can hear God. Cleansing and moving and stirring them. It's not stagnant. God will deal with us from actions to attitudes. The Holy Spirit is faithful. Let's talk about receiving the Holy Spirit. Jesus makes the statement that this is to come. Now, He had not been revealed or glorified, brought into glory, he had not yet entered into heaven to send the Holy Spirit. That would come 
from this point, actually not that far down the road. But God wants to give it to us. Luke 11 tells us that we just need to ask. It's a gift. If you have believed in Jesus for salvation, God wants to fill you with His Holy Spirit. It did not come with salvation. One of the reasons is because that's not what you asked for. When I got saved, I asked God to forgive me. I asked God to help me. I asked God to change me. I asked Jesus to come into my heart, forgive me. I didn't ask for the Holy Spirit. It came afterwards. Acts chapter 19, Paul goes to Ephesus. In Ephesus, he finds a group of believers and he says to them, what what do you believe? They said, we believe in the baptism of John being baptized in water. And he says in verse 2 of Acts 19, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we haven't even heard if there's a Holy Spirit. Paul, verse 19, it says, and then when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. They spoke in other tongues and prophesied. These were believers. These were people gathered together. About 12 of them, the next verse says, that they believe in Jesus. They're, uh, they've received repentance and, and turn. But did you receive the Holy Spirit? He said, we didn't even hear. So he explains it to them. They pray and they get filled. The Holy Spirit is also a mark on believers of who's his. That God puts a seal. This terminology is used in a couple of places. It's used in Galatians. It's used in 2 Corinthians. It's used in Ephesians chapter 1, 13 and 14. And now the Gentiles have heard the truth The good news that God saves you. And when they believed in Christ, he identified him as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. And he did this so that we would praise and glorify Him. The Holy Spirit is a stamp or a seal or a... The terminology actually is the literal terminology of a down payment. That the down payment of heaven, of redemption, of your glorified body. I'm glad that this body is not the last. Because you know what? The older you get, the more it just, you know... You get, you kind of get like that used car thing. You know, you got a bunch of scrapes and dents and it takes longer to get going in the morning and you know, you can't probably go as far or as fast as you used to because you know, you don't want anything to blow out and you know, these kind of things. That's, you know, I get a new body, but the down payment of that is the Holy Spirit. The work of redemption on all that He has for us in destiny. The down payment is the Holy Spirit. He sealed us. How do I know I'm God's? Because 
He sealed me with the Holy Spirit. It's a mark. It's the down payment. Yes, I was already saved. And had I died before I received the Holy Spirit, I would have gone to heaven. But I can tell you because of the 30... Eight and a half years that have gone by from then, I probably wouldn't be here today without the Holy Spirit. And finally, Jesus says, this will flow. The Holy Spirit will flow. How can you tell if the mark's there? Well, there's a flow from the heart. Praise. When they were filled with, in Acts chapter 2 with the Holy Spirit, they heard them glorifying God. In all, I think there's 18 languages that are mentioned there. None of which the apostles had ever learned. It's a praise language. People who are Pentecostal praise God. Churches who are Pentecostal, praise God. You heard in our Sunday school, if you were here for that, one of the drift marks uh, that the four square churches had begun to get away from was open praise. I had missionary friends in Lithuania that when I pastored there that would come to our church and the Three things he mentioned, he said, you know what, you guys have it here. There, I'm, I'm impressed. Your altar calls that people can deal with things right away. The open praise and the fact that you have more than one prayer meeting a week. So those were three things. He said, you know what, I wish the assemblies would get back to that. And they're good people. But there should be more than just singing a song. It should be something that flows from the heart. And I know we can all be distracted, and I know there's all timing. But if every praise service, you've got to pray with your phone rather than enter into the praising and lifting your hands we can question whether the Holy Spirit flows from your heart. It's a natural flow of those who have been filled with His Spirit. Another thing, it's a prayer language. Jude one twenty. but you, my dear friends, building up each other, in the most holy faith, praying in the power of the Holy Spirit. Praying in tongues, in in Romans, it tells us that the Holy Spirit's searching our hearts. There's something dynamic about the prayer of the intercession the Spirit makes for us. Uttering things we don't understand. You know, our prayer lists usually focus around, right? Send us money. Save Aunt Sally, heal, you know, Pat Augustinelli, send us money, help the outreach, 
help our baby church, send us money. You know, we get into this prayer and it's usually like, it's not like, oh God, I need to change in this area. But the Holy Spirit prays for us and leads us to deal with that. There's a power. Prayer life flows. And then finally, it's witnessing. The prayer, the Holy Spirit is evangelistical. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Luke 24 that we read, this gospel will be preached, but you need the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll be a witness to Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, for Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. The progression of that. The expanding of the influence of the gospel. But you need the Holy Spirit. People who are filled with the Holy Spirit witness. We need the Holy Spirit because that's the way it flows. Sometimes we can build dams. We can stop. I don't want to witness. What will they say? I don't want to praise. You know, that looks silly. I don't have time to pray. This is why Jesus likens it to a river flowing. There's a dynamic and a glorious flow. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's there. And if that's not there in your life, here's the good news. You can get the Holy Spirit. You can have the Holy Spirit working in your life. You can have the Jesus, God's Spirit coming into your heart if you have believed in Jesus, repented from your sins, and asked Jesus to come into your heart, believed upon Him. The access is, the access is there. That's what our text tells us. Anyone who believes may come and drink. For the scripture declares rivers of flowing water will flow from their hearts. God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. The Holy Spirit is also a great convictor. We'll look at that this evening. He convicts people and says, you need to get your heart right. He draws, He deals with people. The first time I ever came into a service like this, I had grown up in the Catholic religion. I had had no clue of conviction or those kinds of things. I felt very uncomfortable. I didn't know all that was happening, but it was God dealing with my heart. I was not right with Him. And I needed to get my heart right with God. That Jesus had shed His blood, died for my sins, that I could be forgiven. And in my heart, I knew I was a sinner. I knew I had done things that were wrong. I knew I had done things that I was hoping and even praying in a Catholic way that my my mom wouldn't find out. But when I finally came 
after God dealing with me and dealing with me and bowed my knee and asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart, forgiveness of sins. Some people describe it as a weight lifted off. Some people describe it as joy. or But it's an experience with God that you can have. God deals with hearts and lives. You're here this morning. You're not right with God. You're not saved. You're not a Christian. You're not born again. But you need Jesus Christ to come into your heart. I wonder if you'd slip up your hand very quickly. Pray for me. I need to get my heart right with God. Anyone at all. Very quickly. Maybe you're backslidden. You once knew the Lord. Thank God. An honest heart. But you need to get your heart right. God wants to help you. He wants to forgive you. He cares about you. I know the I, that frustration of this dealing of the Spirit of God, and you're going, and you. But afterward, you give your life to Christ. You're like, thank God He dealt with me. Thank God He made me uncomfortable. Thank God He wouldn't let me go. By the Spirit of God. Anyone else? You're not saved. You're backslidden. Don't join an honest heart. Anyone else? Before we do anything else, you lifted your hand. Would you look up at me? I mean, you mean that, don't you? Would you come? I'm not going to embarrass you. Just come. I'm going to have a brother come and pray with you. Just a simple prayer of salvation. Corey's going to come and pray with you. Thank you for your honesty. I really appreciate that. Just kneel down right here. Corey's going to help you. I want to change the call then to Christians. There are people here, you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to pray. Because God wants to fill you with His Holy Spirit. It is not optional. Here's a Reformed preacher who wrote some great books, I have to say. I've read his books. I, I, you know, a lot of his theology was spot on. But his observation if we got it all when we simply prayed a prayer of salvation where is it God has more he's coming to the realization the end of his life there's more I missed it I don't want you to miss it maybe you are saved maybe you do speak in tongues but the flows of praise or prayer or evangelism are waning God wants to help you. Let's all stand. We're going to open up these altars. We're going to pray for some people in just a moment. Let's allow people to talk to God. And Lord, I come into your holy place. I stand in awe of your cleansing grace. You would care for me. I glorify the one who died, glorified and glorified.
care for me.